Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. You know, last week, uh, Pastor James was um, here and uh, he brought a very powerful word. And the more he spoke... Uh, you know, he said, look, I can't even put it into one week. I'll have to go for two weeks. And the scary thing is, um, he said, hey, Phil, can you preach for me like today and then in a month's time, da 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 And I'm thinking, you know, this is cool. So I put t- together two messages that were very clear, very specific. And then Pastor James gets up and he starts to speak. And I didn't even, e- even have to take notes because essentially what God had downloaded to Pastor James had actually already downloaded to me. So this morning I'm going to pick up and re-emphasize um, some of the things and underscore um, some of the things. So if you weren't here last week or you're tuning in for the first time, last week um, the Lord was talking about um, people that hear from God, not only just hear, they listen to Him. And if they hear and they listen, they start to do things as well. And as you hear, listen, and obey, you can start a chain reaction of events. It's like the dominoes. You set up all the dominoes, and a little bit of pressure starts a whole forward movement. Bang, 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 bang. And Pastor James talked about um, an example of that, and that was uh, John the Baptist. And uh, we see the significant things in his life and his parents' life, because as they heard from God... They just didn't hear. They listened to the voice of God and then they obeyed diligently what he asked them to do. And bang, 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 bang. It was like this domino effect that had taken place. And I believe that as we not only just hear God's voice, but we listen to that voice and obey, we can continue to establish a domino effect um, in our society and our nations and our families, wherever we go, uh, because we're God's ambassadors. And it's just a play it forward dynamic. Uh, the way I uh, like to see dominoes, it's like matchsticks all lined up in a row. And if you start one matchstick, ignite it, and it's like this. There's this ignition effect that goes on from one match to the other match to the other match. Very much like dominoes. Uh, dominoes are good, but I like playing with fire. So um, that's the way I'm thinking. But um, the interesting thing is we can all be catalysts. We can all trigger things. We can all um, instigate things in a positive way, if we capture the voice of the Spirit. You know, as a church, we want to be able to do that all the time. Um, But as individuals, we can do exactly the same thing. So hearing that voice, listening to that voice, obeying that voice, all these amazing things that will take take place. At the beginning of the year, we started a preaching service, a a series about what God was doing in the, the, uh, the initial church in the book of Acts. Uh, because we see a significant church burst into the, um, to the ch- church into the nation of Israel, which wasn't contained there. It went uh, viral. It went through the Ro- Roman Empire. And we started to examine key things that the church heard about or learned about that were the catalytic points for those trigger events. One of those things was the believers coming together regularly in fellowship, they connected well, they, they lived together, they did life together, and there was a, a communion 
with each other. Um, Faith shared this morning as she was in the prayer meeting and as she opened up worship about connection. Well, I believe that we can connect fellowship um, together. Uh, That's a key point. These early uh, believers, they were devoted to the uh, apostles' teaching. They were devoted to truth. So as they came together, there was this connection with the word of God that empowered and released them in a significant way. But they were also coming together and there was this prayer connection. And, and as they connected and they, 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 they prayed together, there was a significant boost of what God was doing. And so that was a key point. Uh, when I was in Indonesia this last year and I got uh, pummeled by the enemy, um, I knew when people were praying. I'm lying in a hospital bed with drips and catheters and um, uh, pumps and all sorts of things going on. But as soon as people came into the ICU, um, even as they carried God's presence, there was just this buoyancy that just lifted to a new level. And more people came in, and it was even a, like a, it came up to a whole new level. And as they prayed for me, there was this robustness in the spirit. But as they walked away, it was like the, you know, there was a drop in the, the potency on this God arena. Because people come together, there was this robustness that was going on. The next thing they did was they gathered together regularly for prayer. They, they gathered together for communion, just what we've done this morning. They did it regularly. And there was keys for that. And these four things triggered the, the explosive growth of the New Testament church. Well, the interesting thing is, as we look at that, all these things happened in the book of Acts. And quite often, we read our Bible and we get to Acts and we think, oh, Acts. Actually, if you look in the main print, it's actually the Acts of Apostles. Not just Acts. You know, some of the newer translations, they didn't even put the Acts of Apostles in there. They just say Acts. Well, the, the, uh, the truth of the matter is, it's the Acts of Apostles. And these apostles heard from God, and they did what they were instructed to do by the Holy Spirit. So they were listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. There was a lot of noise going on, but they were listening to that specific voice amongst all the crowd noise. And as they listened, they heard that instruction. And as they heard that instruction, they went off and they did some very significant things. There was a guy called Aeneas. Aeneas was um, a godly leader. And God said, I want you to do something for me, Aeneas. Go to this man, Paul, or Saul of Tarsus. He's going around trashing the church. He's stoning people. He's wanting to kill people. He wants to put them into prison. Well, I've, I've encountered him. He's now blind, but I want you to go to his place and actually pray for him, and he's going to get um, fresh eyes. He's going to see clearly. So this man thinking, this is a crazy thing to do. But what he was doing, he was hearing the voice of the Spirit amongst the noise of you know, the whole community and all the the hubbub of the day, that God's saying, hey, I want you to go and do this. And a spirit man is probably thinking, this is a crazy, ludicrous, it's illogical, it's, it's, it's like writing my own death warrant. Why would I even want to do this? Long story short, he goes and does what God tells him to do, and he starts a ministry. Uh, Paul's ministry starts from that time. Peter, you know, he was going around, he obviously spent a lot of time with Jesus, hearing from God, and, uh, from Jesus on a day-to-day basis. He goes to heaven, he was still in connection with what God was doing, but then fresh instructions were coming for this man to do other things. 
And so at the same time, there's a guy called Cornelius. And Cornelius is getting these visions of these animals coming down from heaven. And God's saying, go and eat, go and eat. And he's saying, this is crazy because these are unclean animals. And this happens again and again and again. It's like, oh, duh. Um, God said, yes, you can eat this sort of stuff. And over here, Peter's getting the same sort of instructions. And it's getting really, really clear. I'm going to send um, uh, you to this man Cornelius's place. And so he goes to Cornelius, and Cornelius knows that Peter's going to come to his place. Very specific and very clear. A lot of noise. People are listening, but they're actually hearing the clear instructions of what the Holy Spirit is for people to do. Not only just hearing, they were obeying those instructions. Imagine if Aeneas didn't go and pray for Saul of Tarsus. What would have happened? Nothing. Missed the moment. We can't afford to quench the Holy Spirit. But as soon as we respond as a church, the New Testament did that, and the whole Roman Empire within a generation had heard the gospel. There was a response to the gospel because people had listened and obeyed. The church was unleashed. It was full of potency and power and it transformed so many people. It was an unleashed church that was full of the Holy Spirit's power. It was an apostolic power. Um, they were doing an, a, an amazing array of apostolic things, you know, the miracles, the signs and wonders, uh, church planning, all sorts of things were happening. This was a cutting-edge church. So this morning, if you're taking notes, we're talking about a cutting-edge church that hears, it listens, and obeys. A cutting-edge church. And so through the whole Roman Empire, there was a burst of the God factor coming through. And so up here on the screen, the green pit is what we call the diaspora. This is where the Jews have actually already left Israel and they'd actually gone through the Roman Empire. Normally these guys were smart people. They were wanting to make money. And these were Jewish merchants. And wherever they had gone, they'd established um, home connections. Most of these people were gathering in a uh, synagogue. So wherever there were 10 families of Jews, they would establish a synagogue. And so... The road was laid out literally already. And so straight away, people are getting instructions to go to these locations as church planters. And as they went, they went initially to the synagogues and people heard an updated gospel message. And many of these uh, synagogues uh, literally overnight became churches. And this is why this whole um, foundation was laid and there was a burst of activity. There's domino effects went bang, 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 bang in multiple directions because people heard and responded. God had set them up already and even as they listened, it went to a whole new level. The thing is, that was a cutting-edge church in the first century, but we are living in an age now where I think God is raising a church which is far more potent, far more powerful, far more resilient, far more um, oomph to, to go and do so much more. So the cutting-edge church of the day is going to Literally cut it like never before. Um, you saw Arwen before. Arwen is a vocation as a barber. You want to stand up, Arwen? He's got a thing which most people would fear, and this is called a cutthroat razor. <laughs> Has anyone actually been on the receiving end of a cutthroat razor? <laughs> a couple of people. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, when I left puberty and I had to start to shave, I got an electric razor, you know, and that was sort of okay, but it spent ages sort of shaving, getting nowhere. Um, 
no way would I go to the shops and buy one of these things. So this morning, while I'm preaching, I'm going to ask Gareth to come forth from the back. Now, we know Gareth is a man of faith. <laughs> a lot of faith. Um, so just bring that chair across, um, if you could, Gareth. Yeah, bring the chair across. Yeah. I'll move the pulpit away a little bit. And so... So, I'm medically trained, by the way, guys. Um, I don't believe in band-aids or anything like this. And so, if something goes wrong, um, Owen, can you just say, um, oops, or, or whoops, you know, and, we, and, then, and, and then we'll step in and uh, try and help as much as possible. Um, that's, that's okay. But if, if, the, um, if there's a lot of bleeding, we'll just use this duct tape, you know, like Mekhiba. We can fix things up. And if that doesn't work... Um, we'll use this heavy-duty industrial tape, which they hold. Hercules is, uh, you know, the New Zealand Air Force gets held together by this stuff. Um, so if something goes wrong, you're in capable hands. Have, have you got any last words? Uh, no. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah, he loves you, okay? You can have the whole bedroom to yourself. Yeah, so, so do what you need to do. So these cutthroat razors were actually um, very effective. They were single-bladed, and when they were blunt, they used to have a thing called a strop. It was normally a leather strap, and the barber would, you know, and what it would do, it, it would polish the, the blade, and it would actually put an edge or a bevel on the actual um, blade, so it was incredibly sharp. Um, the one that uh, Arwen's got here has got a... A razor blade, I think. Do you want to hold it? No, 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 no. <laughs> I bleed easy. Yeah. Okay, so just, just put it in and do what you need to do. Interesting thing, ophthalmologists don't use scalpel blades for doing eye surgery. They actually break razor blades because it's sharper. A little bit of useless information for you. But Mr. Gillette, he came along and he designed a safety razor. He designed a safety razor. And a safety razor was designed because people like this ended up being a bit shaky. You know, and anything could have happened. Um, blood could have squirted. Uh, you guys, I don't have a, a, the hiccups or anything, do you? No, so just just be steady there. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 yeah. So far, so good. Yeah. But the thing is, Mr. Gillette, he designed a safety razor on purpose to try and protect uh, his clientele because he didn't want them to die because there's no point having people that died. He wanted to have people live, alive and well so they can come back to have a shave every day. And so they designed a safety razor with one blade in. And they realised that the one blade effect wasn't so hot because there's people having to go back and have one, two, three, four strikes and... Then they had a brilliant idea, let's put two blades into the razor. And so they did that, and that was a lot better, and they sold a lot more uh, razor blades. And then even that wasn't working because they had to go one, two, three, four times. And then they said, let's have a, an upmarketed version, so they actually put three blades into the razor. Still a safety razor. And so what actually happened, that actually worked really, really well. Um, but there's nothing as effective and as potent for, for razor as this old cutthroat um, system here. Um, there's, the, there's an edge to it, there's a, there's a, there's a sharpness, there's a keenness. Um, yeah. yeah, I can see already, he's gonna be handsome, yeah. But the thing is, as a church, we can have a cutting edge church, but we can play it safe. 
And if we play it safe, we're not going to take risks. We're not going to step out. We're not going to do the things that the Holy Spirit asks us to do. So as we examine the book of Acts, the trailblazers, the catalysts, the, the agents of change were people that didn't take risks. They were the ones that wanted to step out. They were the ones that wanted to go places and do things for God. They opened their mouths and things would happen. They'd pray for people and people would get healed. They went into locations which people were afraid to go. And so much was established. So the book of Acts was written really quickly because these men of God, these agents of change, were taking no risks. They were on the cutting edge. And I think what God is wanting to do for his church today is take off the safety um, blade, as it were, which does a job, and we can go through the motions. But why don't we up our mindset and get into the, uh, this mindset of let this church, let his church be a cutting-edge church. No longer playing it safe, no longer comfortable, but actually having this leading edge. Um, Arwen's going to um, continue to do this. Um, uh, I think it's $35 at the end for a standard rate. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Is there a bit of grey there? You might want to cut all that grey off. Yeah. It didn't... <laughs> yeah. Does anyone else want to shave later on? We, we'll probably shave... What we should do is actually have a uh, mission fundraising thing where the people that are courageous can actually have their... Uh, not their throats cut, their, their, uh, <laughs> their faces shaven, shaven and like this. The thing is... These strops were used to sharpen the, um, the blade. And we need the sharpening of God in our life to have an effective ministry. We've got to have that sort of, that, that, it's like a steel on a knife, just to give us that edge. Um, really important for that to take place. Who's heard of the term sandpaper ministry? You know, um, we've got a lot of people that are living together and there's an abrasiveness going on. There's like a sanding going on. There's an abrasiveness going on. And so, it's just like this blade gets used for cutting um, his, his hairy right down to here so he can just do the whole lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I once said, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. No one's died recently. Yeah. His head is actually, his learner's wheels taken off where all this sort of stuff is concerned. But the thing is, this early church was full of potency and power because they listened and heard the voice of the Spirit and they did what he asked them to do. The hallmarks of this book of Acts church, they were pioneers. They were cutting edge. They were radicals. They were inspirational. Uh, I think they were inspirational because they heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. N not only were they hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, they were actually empowered by the Holy Spirit. They were also an apostolic church. Apostolic church were, were basically loosely defined as the sent ones. And so they heard from God and they went somewhere and they did something. They were an apostolic church full of potency and power. But the thing is, we can talk and look at what happened. You know, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, the apostles' teaching, all this exciting stuff, which were keys. We have... Uh, the uh, Kai connection, you know, we believe in coming together and eating together and sharing together. There's a lot of fun, there's a lot of energy that comes from that. Um, it's not like another night out, although it is a night out, but it's actually energising when you, when you do an event like this. But the Word of God tells us something very clearly, and we see this, that we've got to put first things first to make it right. We've got to get our priorities right. And so if we're hearing the voice of the Spirit 
and listening to the voice of the Spirit, we've got to do what he says. So this is what the Lord says in Acts 1 verse 8. Wait until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit as he comes upon you. So the instruction, the word from God, is wait. Okay, or wait. And then in uh, Luke 24 it says this. Stay. Stay until you've been clothed with power from on high. So, what are they hearing? What are they listening to? Wait and stay. Then it goes on and says this. Don't leave, but wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. It says that in Acts 1, uh, verse 4 and 5. So very clearly, wait, stay, don't leave until you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's really important to pray together and have prayer times and have communion, that's really important, and, and fellowship times, which is really good, and be devoted to the Word of God. But straight away, here's this first priority. The Lord is saying, wait until you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. We've got to hear that instruction. We've got to listen to that instruction. We've got to obey that instruction. I'm going to ask uh, Georgie to come and just share briefly how he was baptised in the Holy Spirit and his little journey here. Nope. Uh, for me, so I got baptised um, by another pastor from, from Elam Church and um, they, um, they also not bap only baptised me in the water but they baptised me in the Holy Spirit. Um, I actually didn't sense or feel anything right off the spot because I know a lot of people begin to speak in tongues straight off straight off the bat but along my journey you know I got to um, uh, get to know the Holy Spirit and how he was operating in my life he um, I had a hardened heart once uh, once upon a time and he's um, you know begin to break down just all, all the crust around my heart and my sinful nature he opened up my eyes and um, he gave me you know God's desires of his heart and he's implanted them in me and the Holy Spirit's just just begin to purify me and begin to cleanse me and on this journey to getting to know the Father more and knowing the Lord um the Holy Spirit. You know he's just been um he's been a true gift to me and that's exactly what he is. He is a gift and he's a blessing from up above and um he's given me the strength, he's given me the joy and you know he's taken down the the scales that were on Saul's eyes before he became poor, and he's turned me into, um, you know, from Georgie. Now, now I know that I'm a child and the son of God. So. And so the first, the first thing Georgie was doing, he a lot of noise, obviously, all this new learning. He was actually hearing an instruction from God. He was actually listening to the directive of the Holy Spirit. First thing, I want you to be baptised in water. Oh, I can do that. It's a bit strange, but I'll do that. But while he was doing that, God somehow added something extra. It was the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's actually looking pretty sharp. That's pretty amazing. No blood? That's good. Okay, thanks, mate. Yeah. Do you want to serve in here? The thing is, there was an instruction, and to have a powerful, potent church, we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm aware that a number of people come to church and they just go through the motions, but they've never really been fully baptized with the Holy Spirit. Or if they have, they haven't really 
ramped it up, or they haven't actually functioned in that, uh, like as a gift, you know, like we got, got our girls bicycles uh, for birthdays and things like that. Our garage has still got bicycles from the girls. They've used them a few times, but they don't continue to use them. Um, but the Holy Spirit's not like that. If someone was to come along and say, um, Chris, how would you like a brand new Range Rover? You go, yay, I like a brand new Range But if she had the, the latest, you know, Class A Range Rover, all polishy and smelling of leather and all that, but if there was no petrol or diesel in the Range Rover, it wouldn't be able to go anywhere and do anything. And so what Jesus is saying, guys, you've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So Georgie, he is a temple of the Holy Spirit. We're actually all temples of the Holy Spirit if we're Christians. But the thing is, the Holy Spirit has got to come in to these temples for us to be able to function as we were designed to do. So the critical thing is we're need, needing basically the power of the Holy Spirit if we're going to function as a cutting-edge church. And it's not be baptised once, it's a continual um, infusion, a continual update, a continual um, empowerment. So my car uh, needs to go to the uh, petrol station tomorrow because the little needle is getting closer to E than to F. And so I know that there's going to have to be an infilling of energy for my car. And it's the same with us as Christians. We need to have that ongoing infusion. Don't go anywhere unless the Holy Spirit is in your life. Interesting thing, at the beginning of the year, we had a visiting ministry pastor, uh, Peter Morton, from um, Eastside. Um, he reckons the anointing's over there. James reckons the anointing is actually over here in the West. I'm absolutely persuaded the anointing is fully on the North Shore. Even Sue went to this uh, Kai connection um, on the North Shore yesterday, and so she's uh, having the light and the revelation come that there is a lot of anoint anointing to live on the North. But what he said in his sermon at the beginning of the year, and you can go back and listen to the podcast, he said you've got to hear, you've got to listen, and you've got to obey. And so when Pastor James last week was talking about hear, listen, and obey, and then Pastor Peter at the beginning of the year was saying, hear, listen, and obey. It's like the Holy Spirit is saying something. And it's not like, oh dear. It's like, take a note, guys. I'm trying to say something. And even as James was preaching and, and I had this message already written down, hear, listen, and obey, it's for a reason. Because I think the Lord is going to start to come and give us fresh instructions. One is a church, as churches in Fiji, but also as individuals. And as we hear those instructions, we can step out and we can see all sorts of incredible things that take place. Who likes to see miracles take place? First-hand miracles, not someone else, but as you step into a situation, you'll see amazing things that will take place. You know, you go to the airport and you're sitting in the lounge or waiting to get on a plane and you hear, bing bong, bing bong. Well, Mr. Smith, Mr. Brown... Uh, please make your way to gate number 17. Your plane is in the last stages of boarding. And you're sitting there five minutes later. Bing bong, bing bong. Well, Mr. Smith and Mrs. Brown, please advance as quickly as possible to gate number 17. Your bags are being now taken off the plane. It's this, there's a lot of noise in an airport terminal. You hear lots of things. But you've got to listen to the voice, the instructions. Because if you don't listen, you're not going to know what to do. But if you don't obey, 
you're going to miss the flight. If you're in an army, there's a lot of noise in, a, in, in, uh, in the army or the air force on a battlefield. We're hearing lots of things, but if we're not listening to the instructions from the sergeants or the officers, you're not going to actually do what you should be doing. So you're not going to be on the winning side. You'll sort of pay the consequences. Jesus says this in John 10. He said, my sheep hear my voice. They don't ignore my voice. They hear my voice and they obey. And so we need to listen for that clear instructions. So about uh, six weeks ago, I'm thinking, Lord, what am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be doing like now? And the Lord said, okay, I want you to sponsor a young person. Okay, who? Um, I don't want you to choose. I'll have someone choose for you. Oh, that's a bit strange. Makes it a bit more difficult. But I knew it was going to be a base in Indonesia. And this little girl here called is Elita. She is uh, from a uh, people group called Malangi. It's uh, a subgroup of the Eban subgroup of, of the Dayak tribes. It's only a small people group of about 46,000 people. But the Lord said to me, Phil, I want you to sponsor and adopt this person. But these are the parameters that I want you to have, that they've got no one, no family on this planet. And I'm thinking, is it boy or girl? He said, don't worry. Um, you'll find out. Oh, okay. Um, what age, Lord? Don't worry. You'll find out. I'm thinking, oh, this is a bit crazy. And um, so I said to some missionary friends that had organised this, um, this discipleship base, which we're running for about 750, 800 people there now. And this young girl, Alita, um, just 13 years of age now, her dad walked out the week she was born off with another model, a new wife, because the other one was getting a little bit old. I think she's about 25 years of age, so she was pretty old. So he went for another younger model, and Alita was there. And so not only was that a problem, the problem was the fact that her mother died when she was only about a year old. She can't even remember her mother. And so she had no family, no um, brothers or sisters, no, no one absolutely bereft of anyone and the only person that picked her up was an aunt and her aunt looked after her for a number of years and then for whatever reason she drove up to the ministry base and she just left her at the gate at the front gate on the road and just left her there and so the Holy Spirit was saying she's the one she's the one so um, we connected with her for the first time the next yeah next, she's the girl in the middle there Elita you know can you imagine having no one on this planet? You know, it's full of seven and a half billion people, but not having anyone. No one loves you, no one cares for you. And so the Holy Spirit was saying, Phil, I want you to sponsor her. Now, I don't know her destiny in the future, but I'm just taking the initial step now. Chris and I are actually not so much adopting her, we're actually sponsoring her. And I said to her, when I speak, spoke to her, I said, I don't want to be like... Um, dad to you or mum and dad to you. I want to be like granddad, kakik and anik. Um, we want to be kakik and anik um, because we're getting a bit older now. But we're going to be here for you. We're going to believe in you. So we've adopted or sponsored her into our family. Um, why do I say that? Because the Holy Spirit said, will you do this for me? Okay, I will. We've got to be hearers of the word and doers of the word because if we're not, we're going to quench the Holy Spirit. And just to see one life, who knows 
the domino effect that she will actually have where she's in school or work or play or marriage or whatever. Instructions. Let's all be guided by the Holy Spirit. The foundations of the apostolic church was listening to the instructions of the Holy Spirit. The apostles, they were getting so much to do. You know, the church was growing rapidly. And they realized, hey, we had to be devoted to the Word of God, and we've had to be devoted to prayer. That was their primary focus. And it's just the same. The church is growing today. And if Pastor James and Viv are focusing on doing all sorts of other things, and the Word of God and prayer doesn't become the priority, things will become compromised. But the neat thing is, the Holy Spirit said, pray, and then you're going to be appointing other people to carry this responsibility. And so there were seven deacons uh, identified and commissioned full of the Holy Spirit, not sort of mucking around with the Holy Spirit. These were filled with the Holy Spirit. And we start to see what happens. Um, we see Philip the Evangelist. Uh, I'll read it for you, uh, coming out of um, uh, this. It says, as Philip the Evangelist, Philip the Evangelist, that's not speaking in tongues, by the way. It's just me sort of finding my notes. As for Philip, the, and uh, Philip was obviously a good guy, because, you know, Philip's a good name. Uh, the angel of the Lord said to him, Go south by the desert road that, which, which runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so we started out, and he met a treasurer of, of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority of the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship God, and now he was returning and seated in his chariot. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet uh, Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, clear instruction, go over and walk alongside the carriage. So Philip actually ran over. He didn't walk over. He ran over. And he heard what the man was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? Instructs me? Long story short, uh, you know, he was invited into the chariot and he started to explain the scripture. You know, clear instructions, go over to that, that man, that chariot, walk alongside. There was an instruction and as soon as he stepped in to that situation, there was a, a God moment. There was a transaction of what was going on in the spirit. It was like a domino effect took place. That eunuch went back to Ethiopia and he started basically a domino effect all the way through Ethiopia. And the church was established in Ethiopia because of a godly man getting extra revelation because someone came alongside and just opened up the word of God and explained what was in the word of God. Who knows this week the situations you'll find yourselves in. Maybe you won't open up the whole word of God and actually you know, preach something to someone, but there'll be words of scripture that you can actually be able to share with people that will be a lifeline. At all times, we've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. The Word of God is a lamp unto our feet. A number of years ago, the apostolic executive uh, of New Zealand said, Phil, will you go down to Wellington, relocate to Wellington, and pass to the church in uh, Lower Hut and up, or Upper Hut? Well, we want to replant the church in Upper Hut. And everything within me said, well, that's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. And so we talked about it. Chris and I talked about it. And uh, me being the prophet and everything, and I'm thinking I'm here and you know, I'm knowing what God wants us to do. But I actually had a total blank. And Chris was lying in bed in the morning with a cup of tea, which I gave her first thing. And you know what she read? Out of Acts chapter 8. And it says this, And Philip headed south by the desert road. 
And I'm thinking, is that in there? Come on, I've read this so many times, I've never read that. So, and Philip headed south by the desert road. So, we got into the Corona or the uh, Cortina, and we didn't have a Cortina at those times, I think it was a Corona, and we drove down the desert road. It was all foggy, we got down to Wellington, we went to Lower Hut, we did a morning service, it was all electric, people were getting zonked in the Holy Spirit, and it was, it was, it was good that we went up to Upper Hut and we saw the, the church facilities in Upper Hut, which was a phenomenal facility, it was an old car area, it wasn't a, an old car uh, yard, it was a new car yard that would have been ma made over, customised for church with creation, prayer rooms, and all sorts of things with offices. Uh, most pastors would have given their eye teeth just for this building facility. And it's like, this instruction was go down the desert road. Will you do this for me? But we just didn't take that for granted. And as we were praying, as we were praying, it wasn't me getting the revelation. Chris wakes up in the morning, because we were looking at houses and all sorts of things. And Chris says to me, I've just got the scripture from the Lord saying, head you now northwards. And it's like, oh man, we just got here. You know, uh, we haven't even got a chance to buy a house or settle in. And the Lord's saying, will you move north? Oh. So we headed north. And so the executive said, well, what do you think? And we said, well, God has clearly said from a couple of scriptures not to do this. You know, and they said, oh, what's northward? Oh, we've got a church in uh, Tongarei that needs to be replanted because it was a little bit sort of fragile, personality issues and what have you. So we went there. And as we went up to Tongarei to, to, to do the church service and there baby dedications and it was really quite a powerful situation again. And then the elders said, well, what do you think? And I said, let's pray about this as an eldership because we want not the, the wisdom of man to give us direction. We want the voice of the Spirit to give us clear instruction. So we do this. And the wisdom was basically, God, give us peace in this situation. If this isn't of you, please take off the peace that we have now. And we hand us back to you. And so we spent the rest of the afternoon looking at houses and thinking at schools for the kids and all that sort of carry on. We got back in the car and we got back to Auckland and went to bed. And as we drove from Whangarei back to Auckland, it was like the peace of God just evaporated. It's like, oh, this is feeling really uncomfortable. We went to bed or tried to go to bed. The phone went 17 times from 10 o'clock at night to six o'clock in the morning. Fax lines were going, all sorts of crazy things. Any peace that we had, had just gone. But the instructions from God's word were very clear. So this was a lamp unto our feet, giving us clear instructions. You know, man's wisdom says, go and do this. It's logical, you know, you're well trained, you can do this. Man's wisdom and God's instruction isn't God's instructions. You've got to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. All move of God start with God's instructions to individuals. There was a guy called Charles um, Simeon. He was a reformer. He was uh, based at Cambridge University. He was training uh, people in theology and um, Christian ethics and things like that. But he had a cluster of younger people around him. And um, he started a reformation. He was a domino effect man. He pushed things and things started to happen. And they formed this thing called the Clappen sect. The Clappen sect was this... A group of reformers, you'd recognise names like William Wilberforce, who set up the emancipation for slavery and things like that. He was one of 50 people. This is what this man said. He said, this group of 50 believers has done more in 50 years than all the archbishops in Canterbury in the last uh, 1,500 years. Quite a powerful statement. Because these young people, these cutting-edge reformers, 
we're hearing from God and doing something, and there was this potency. Out of this um, group of people, um, things were triggered that went around the world. Um, people like Charles and uh, John Wesley, they were around that time. They were hearing from God, doing things, stepping out. But the church was trying to block this cutting edge thing rise up. They were trying to block the, the potency of the power of God on these lives, of these people that had this cutting edge life, sadly. You know, what actually happened in uh, John Wesley's ministry, he couldn't preach in his father's church anymore. They said, no, you can't do that. You can't do it because you haven't been trained in Latin. You haven't been trained in Greek. You can't do that. You can't use this pulpit. And so he went outside into the graveyard and he was standing on his dad's graveyard and preaching to people in the graveyard. Hundreds of people got saved um, in his ministry. Thousands of people got saved in his lifetime through his ministry. But he was a reformer, a cutting-edge reformer. Pastor James talked about him a couple of weeks ago. But this Clapham sect, they started things that triggered things around the world. It started what we call the modern mission movement. Um, it started this thing called L, uh, LWS, the London Missionary Society. Um, and that was like an inter interdependent mission agency of all the churches that were established, like there were Baptists there and Presbyterian and uh, Wesleyan people. And they started uh, missionary movements around the world. The great thing about it, New Zealand was a recipient of this domino effect. Uh, you're all familiar with Samuel Marsden. Well, he was funded because of the Clapham sect. These people were business people. Generally, most of the business people were there. And, and they were giving resources to people that were actually cutting-edge agents of change. They believed in these individuals. So here in New Zealand, we were receiving um, Samuel Marsden, funded out of this group. Uh, in uh, 1795, New Zealand had become the primary focus of global mission focus out of Europe. Many people would be called into missions around the world, but for some reason, New Zealand had the spotlight on it, and many of the missionaries that were rising up and coming were coming to Aotearoa. We were uh, the receiving end of this domino effect because people responded. But having said that, we've got to hear, we've got to listen, and we've got to obey as a church. And if we don't hear and listen and obey, we're going to get ourselves into stook. But as soon as we do hear, listen and obey, we're going to see all sorts of amazing signs and wonders. So why was it that Peter said, hear, listen and obey, Pastor Peter Morton? Last week, Pastor James saying, hear, listen and obey. And this morning, the same message, hear, listen and obey. What's God saying to you to do? I can't answer that for you. I've got a, some of you I know and I've got a fairly good idea. Um, what's he asking you to do? What's he asking us to do as a church? What's he going to ask uh, Samu, Pastor Samu in Fiji to do as a, as a leadership over there? Don't know. But we've just got to listen and start to respond. So this morning, I'd like to be able to pray for people that have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe most of us in this building certainly have been filled with the Holy Spirit. But it would be remiss not to actually let you go home today unless we've had a chance to pray for you. And we really want to be able to um, just believe that God will cause you to break the sound barrier and come through because that's when you're going to start this, this potency, this power like never before. You may be here this morning and you've never really wanted to be in church before but you've been hearing this inner voice saying, it's your conscience speaking, it's a, good idea to, it's a really good idea to go to church. You'll learn something. I'm drawing you. I'm drawing you. I'm drawing you. It says in the book of Revelation, Jesus stands at the door and he's knocking and he's saying, will you come in? 
will you come in? And today, if you're here and you've never given your heart to, to Jesus, you know you've been separated from the Son of Man, um, our Saviour, but he's drawing you. You've, you've got closer and closer and closer, but you actually never embraced him. But you're hearing this invitation. I'm knocking at the door of your heart. Will you give your life to me? Because it's about eternity. It's not about 50, 60, 70 years on this planet doing your own thing. It's about eternity and all the things we can do together. You can't be separated from me. You need to be separated to me. Is that you? So this morning as we having our eyes shut and heads bowed, is it you this morning? Would you, you've never given your heart to the Lord, but you know this morning is the time when you should. Is it you? You've never given your heart to the Lord, but this morning you really would like to. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. You know, choosing a marriage partner is, is pivotal for you as an individual. That's important. But giving your heart to the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, the man who stood on that cross, gave his life for you and mankind. He wants to partner with you for the rest of your life. I'm not going to rush this, just in case. Okay, we'll move on. We'll move on. We'll move on. I believe also the Holy Spirit's been speaking to people through the years, through the months, through the weeks, and there's like, oh, I've got to step out of the boat. This is going to be a little bit uncomfortable, but I want to respond. So just as we close, I would like a, like a prophetic act um, in that you can stay seated in the, your situation, which is, which is good, but you want to stand to your feet and you want to start to step into that response. I may not be a, a Barnabas having to go to Antioch with a guy called Paul and start a new church there, but I'll start somewhere. Um, hallelujah.